podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi folks, welcome to the Game Week 7 review slash Game Week 8 preview episode of the 59th Minute FPL podcast, which is brought to you by Fantasy Football Scouts. I'm Mark McGettigan, you'll find me on Twitter at FPL General. I'm currently on holiday in Portugal, but I was keen to get an episode recorded for Game Week 8, as I don't like missing Game Weeks when it comes to the podcast. It's actually a miracle that this episode is out, as we arrive to the airport with a 37kg suitcase, which was supposed to be just 20kg. We never learn. Most of the contents got chucked into the boot of the car in the airport car park before we left, in a mad panic but thankfully the laptop and microphone survived hopefully the sound quality comes through okay obviously not recording in my usual setup but hopefully it will come out okay in this episode as usual a quick review of the game week we will welcome two new members to the 59th minute club update the watch list highlight a few stats answer listener questions and finish with an early look at captaincy and potential transfers for game week eight I will also discuss a Game Week 8 wildcard draft that I've put together for those of you who have pulled the trigger this week. There won't be a Friday episode this week either as we're travelling back home on Friday. After the international break, it will be back to the normal routine of Monday and Friday episodes. A quick review of the game week. I banked the transfer as I often try and do. The main reason I banked the transfer was I couldn't afford a straight swap to Hyungman Son. It would have involved a minus four to sell a Manchester United midfielder or Saka. In hindsight, probably should have just pulled the trigger on a Manchester United midfielder. But I'm sure that move will happen this week. 69 points all out. A few more games to go, Fulham against Chelsea and Luton and Burnley have their second games, but I don't have any players in those. Current rank has gone from 698k to 217k, so a very healthy green arrow, but I do expect that to fall back slightly over Monday and Tuesday. The points came from Trippier with a 12-pointer, so that was a very good transfer in last game week. Stupinen chipped in with a minus 2 big decision I had for the game week was do I start a Stupinen or Bayer didn't expect much from Bayer even with two fixtures he's got a zero pointer in the first game the Brighton game started out well for Stupinen he had a big chance 1v1 should have been on the score sheet but it all went downhill after that but didn't mind too much because it was Ollie Watkins doing most of the damage who was up front for a 23 pointer Gabriel that man who I paid 5 million for he's now dropped to 4.7 chipped in with another clean sheet Saka with 9 there was some temptation to sell Saka because he was a doubt for the game week but once I seen that he travelled to Bournemouth I was quite confident that he would be involved and thankfully got the points Madison Blanks not too worried about that good fixtures to come still have Bruno and Rashford and I am I want to say I'm definitely not going to go into Game Week 8 with both players one of them's going maybe even both of them will go I've held on to them for far too long Alvarez with an 8-pointer, Captain Haaland blanked, and as I mentioned, Watkins was the hero of the game week. I had Johnson on the bench with an unexpected clean sheet for 9 points. I played Turner, who got a 3-pointer, so that's obviously slightly frustrating, but I was never going to start Johnston over Turner this week. When you look at the fixtures, Bayer and the Camber are on the bench, not too many points there, and Gusto is suspended. So overall, I feel like after this game week, with two free transfers, with Watkins in there, with Madison in there, good fixtures, two city strikers, 
Hopefully Saka's okay. I've got Trippier in place. Overall, the squad seems pretty healthy. And a lot of wildcarders are moving towards some of the players that I already own. So that feels quite good. And I'm still open-minded on the wildcard. I don't think I'm going to be playing it this week. I could play it in game 9 or 10. But I still might hold off until closer to Christmas. A very warm welcome to the 59th Minute Club to two new members. First up, Everton's Abdullahi Dukuri. He's been doing very well FPL-wise over the last few weeks, but he only managed 59 minutes in Game Week 7, as did Callum Hudson-Odoi at Nottingham Forest. So good to see two new members after a couple of weeks without them. Notable mentions this week in terms of minutes. That guy, again, is stooping in. Minus two, only played 45 minutes, and the fixtures turned pretty nasty now for Brighton. So Stupinen could be on the chopping block for me to afford Son, because I've got 0.0 in the bank. For example, if I sold Rashford to Son, I need to free up cash from somewhere, so it could be a Stupinen who goes, sell him for about 5.1, I think it is, and I need to drop him down to maybe 4.5 or 4.6. Ferguson also only played 45 minutes for Brighton, that's back-to-back 45-minute appearances for the Irishman. Solly March only played 61. At Burnley, Colliosho and Amduni were off before 60. They played 57 minutes each. At Bournemouth, Tavernier and Clivert, 58 minutes. Clivert is already in the 59th minute club. He was very close to becoming the first player this season to get a second shout-out. Palestri at Manchester United, a rare start, just about made it to 60 as did former United player Alanga at Nottingham Forest. As always, keep an eye on those clocks in Game Week 8. On to the watch list now. Players added, first of all, five new names. Pedro Porro joins Udogi. Udogi's been on the watch list for most of the season already. I think it's got to the point now where Pedro Porro needs to be seriously considered, and he could even be the better option. I think he's about 0.2% more expensive than Udogi, but his underlying numbers are better. I need to go and double-check these over the next couple of days if I'm, if I'm thinking about buying one of these players. But Pedro Porro, right up there now with Destiny Udogi as really good FPL picks. I've also added Dan Byrne to the watch list. Sven Botman is injured. Like I said earlier, if I want to afford Youngman's son to bring him in for the Luton fixture, which... I definitely want to do this week. Dan Byrne could be my enabler to you know, freeing up cash in defence with Botman injured. 4.5. Byrne's playing left back. Can also play centre back at times. So seems pretty safe. I think he might have a yellow flag. So I need to just double check that before the weekend as well. Almiron also joins the watch list. Anthony Gordon was added last week. Gordon is suspended for the weekend. I still think he's, Gordon's a very good pick once he's served that suspension. With Harvey Barnes out, Amron could now be a good option also on the score sheet. And we know what he can do when he goes on a run like he did last season. Nice differential. Also added, Darwin Nunes. He is the yo-yo man of the watch list this season. He's on it and he's off it. He's back on it now. He got zero minutes at the weekend. Seems to be carrying some kind of knee issue, which is obviously a concern. But more concerning for Liverpool is Cody Gakpo. Looks like he might have picked up a serious injury. So FPL-wise, if that is the case, and we hope it's not the case, hopefully Gakpo is all right. But if Gakpo is going to be out for a wee while, even if it's a matter of weeks rather than months, Darwin Nunes certainly comes into the picture, especially for those of us 
who have a really poor team value. I think mine is only about 100.7. It's going to be very, very difficult for me to get Mohamed Salah. Even when I do wildcard, I'll be tempted not to get him because it does... A lot of sacrifices are needed and I've lost a lot of value over the first seven weeks of the season. So Darwin Nunes is quite attractive to me for those reasons. The final player added this week is Alexander Isak. Again, it's kind of because of another player in the team. Callum Wilson is carrying some kind of hamstring issue as well. He didn't feature in game week seven. Isak did, got on the score sheet again. I think Isak's had a few niggles himself recently, so we've got to be careful here as well. But I'm just going to monitor the Wilson situation. And if he does miss another game or two, obviously Isak becomes a very good FPL pick. So that's the players added. Pedro Porro, Dan Byrne, Almiron, Darwin and Isak. Players removed from the watch list following gimmick 7. Botman, because he's injured. I've also removed the Luton guys, Kabori and Morris. They were only really on the watch list because they were under consideration as double gaming options. Now that that has passed, I don't see myself going there. Kabori, maybe a wildcard pick as a fifth defender at just 4 million, but Morris, don't see myself picking him when I've got Alvarez, Watkins and Haaland up front. I've also removed Hoyland from Manchester United. Not doing enough yet, and it's mainly the Manchester United problem. If I'm looking to take my money out of Manchester United assets at the moment, I don't want to be buying another one of their stocks. So Hoyland, for now is not in my thoughts. A few stats now that caught my eye from the weekend's action from the Fantasy Football Scout members area. Defenders, first of all, that man Trippier, he pops up all the time. Five chances created. Sufal at West Ham popped up here as well with four chances created. He's only 4.5, so he's another option I could look at if I'm selling a stupidant to enable human son. And at Tottenham, the fullbacks Udogi and Poro both created three chances each. Anderson and Crystal Palace had three goal attempts in the box, scored an absolutely fantastic goal. I think that might be his second goal of the season. He must be right up there at the top of the FPL defenders chart so far. Good option, around 4.7, just out of reach for me. I've got Johnston anyway, so I'm not looking to double up on the Crystal Palace defence. On to the midfielder numbers, James Ward-Prowse, very healthy number, six chances created. James Madison created four, so happy to own him for the next couple of game weeks. Odegaard created two big chances, had a very good performance. I think he got about a 17-pointer on the score sheet from the spot and chipping in with an assist as well. Jared Bowen and Thomas Soucek at West Ham had six shots in the box against Sheffield United. Again, Caveat always, a very weak opponent, but good to see Bowen in particular posting good numbers again. Diaby at Aston Villa. Watkins got the points for me, but I was very impressed by Diaby again. Four shots in the box for Diaby. Hopefully his injury is not serious, because I think he is a very good wildcard pick. Bowen, Hyungman Son and Saka all had two big chances each. In terms of the forwards, Ollie Watkins, not only is he a goal scorer, he is a very creative player also, which is what I like. Watkins created five chances in the game against Brighton, which brings his tally to 15 chances created for the season. That is second only to Alvarez among forwards. Alvarez created three chances at the weekend, which brings his number to 19 for the season. So Watkins and Alvarez are the most creative forwards when it comes to FPL. Watkins had six goal attempts in the box. 
Isak and Calvert-Lewin both had five. Good to see Calvert-Lewin back on the pitch. 90 minutes on the score sheet. Hopefully he can put a run of games together and put his injury nightmare behind him. And finally, Isak also had three big chances. So really good numbers for the Newcastle striker. Before I get stuck into listener questions, a quick plug for my Patreon. FPL content creation is my full-time job. If you enjoy the podcast and you'd like to support it and me, check out patreon.com forward slash FPL general. In doing so, you'll get I test podcasts every week, Thursday night live streams, Q&As on a Friday, team reveals and more. Question time now. The first one comes in from FPL Radiator. It's getting that to that time of year where we will all need FPL Radiator to keep us warm during the winter months. Is it time to down tools on Manchester United assets? The team are off it. Bruno and Rashford are not delivering. Radiator says, I don't own either Madison or Son. And with their now decent fixture run, is it time to jump on these two? Yeah, absolutely. I said it earlier. I've been on double Manchester United midfield for way too long. Probably shouldn't even have one. Never mind two. It was always a case of... Always other fires to fight in the squad, or else valuing banking a transfer more highly than selling a Manchester United attacker when they had a decent fixture on paper. Very frustrating to see that result pop up. 1-0 defeat at home to Crystal Palace. Not good news when you own Bruno and Rashford. So absolutely, time to move away. The team are not on it. Sell at least one of them this week, if not two. My plan is most likely Rashford to Hyungman Son. But I need. I really hope that Saka is okay because I might be forced to sell Saka if he's not okay, and that would leave me again with double Manchester United midfield. I do have two free transfers though, so instead of downgrading a Stupinen to a 4.4, 4.5, I could just sell Bruno and Rashford, get Son plus one other midfielder. So absolutely, Tottenham fixtures are great. Tottenham are performing extremely well. Another impressive three points over the weekend. They're sitting pretty near the top of the table. Hyungman Son and James Madison are excellent FPL picks for the next four or five game weeks. If you don't have one of them, get one of them. If you've already got one, try and get the other. Question from FPL Sponge. Sell Saka, who has two poor fixtures coming up, or Rashford, who's got poor form, to get Hyungman Son before a wildcard in game week 10. So Sponge is dead set on a game week 10 wildcard. Wants to get Hyungman Son in for Luton and Fulham. I mean, doesn't get much better than that in terms of fixtures, although Fulham have been posting clean sheets this season. I still expect Tottenham to do some damage there. And obviously Luton is a very good fixture. Arsenal have Manchester City next, then Chelsea. Wouldn't be too concerned about the Chelsea fixture. I think Arsenal should be fine in that one. And you never know what can happen in Manchester City against Arsenal. But I think it depends on Saka's fitness more so than the fixtures. Because if Saka is fit, I would be inclined to keep him. Even with City coming up next, I th- still think it just could be a season keeper. And you don't need to use any transfers in that spot in your team. Because if you do sell Saka, you're very likely going to want him back in. Although Sponja is saying, give me 10 wildcards. So sell him for two weeks, get him back on the wildcard. But I just can't make a case for Rashford anymore at the moment in this underperforming Manchester United team. So I would be selling Rashford if we get positive news on Saka's fitness and there is European games midweek so that will hopefully help us with that decision next question comes in from the local stigmatic who asks very good questions every week so thank you for those with the highest XGI of any defender in the game 
And with Wolves, West Ham, Luton, Nottingham Forest and Fulham next up, has Matty Cash now become an essential pick? The short answer here is yes. If you're wildcarding this week, Matty Cash has to be one of the first names on the team sheet. Another nice assist for one of Watkins' goals at the weekend. Just a really, really good FPL pick. Very attacking fullback. Sometimes plays on the wing. And most importantly, playing for a very, very good Aston Villa team who are a front foot side who are very much capable of keeping clean sheets. Also, Unai Emery is doing a very, very good job there. I don't own Matty Cash. I wish I had slightly more cash, 0.1 or 0.2, because I would be doing a stupid into cash in a heartbeat to get Hyungman Son in, but I can't quite afford both players together. If you don't have cash, put them right at the top of your defender watch list. Question from FPL Brooklyn. Newcastle defence is the hot topic. Sticker twist with Botman. He's out for a couple of weeks but could be back after the international break. Is LaSalle's worth a 4.0 defender swap while we wait? And is Trippier close to essential? A couple of things to pick out here. Sticker twist with Botman. I would probably let him go unless you can get... If you've got three good defenders you can get out this week, you might be able to get away with him on the bench. There's no guarantee that he comes back for game week nine after the international break. I think Howe said he's hoping he's back after it, but you just never know with these kind of injuries. So if you're struggling to get three good defenders out in game week eight, I probably would just sell Botman and get someone in who plays, and then you don't have that headache in game week nine either. In terms of Lascelles, would I go sideways? Probably not, because even though he played in game week seven, there's no guarantee that Lascelles will play every game while Botman was out. You know, Dan Byrne could easily move across to centre back with someone like Target or Lewis Hall coming into left back. So Lascelles could be a trap after playing just one game. So I think in that case, you're probably better keeping Botman or moving elsewhere. And is Trippier close to essential? He. I think the time to get him probably was two weeks ago because that's when you know two of the best fixtures were on the horizon. The fixtures are still okay for, for Newcastle. I still think he's a very, very good pick. I'm a happy owner, but I'm not going to go as far as saying he's essential. But again, if I didn't own him, he'd be up right up there with Matty Cash as players that I'd really like to get in my team as soon as possible. Second question from FPL Brooklyn. Can Diaby cover Watkins? Because I want to save the 1.5 million and keep Julian Alvarez. Good question, this one. Watkins is expensive. He's hard to get to if you're not already there. I kind of suffered through the pain of having a 3-4-3 formation for the first three or four game weeks of the season when all the midfielders were, were banging goals in, players like Mbumo. But it's kind of come full circle now. And because I wasn't able to restructure due to other issues, it's kind of playing into my favour that the 3-4-3 with Watkins, Alvarez and Haaland has done quite well over the last game week or two. So I can understand I can understand why, you know, Wildcarders, for example, this week would be looking at Diaby. I think he's 6.7 and Watkins is up around the 8 million mark. So it's a big difference in price. And even though I'm a Watkins owner, and you know I'm very happy to get those 23 points. I thought Diaby was very impressive again. Could have had even more points in that Brighton game. Just a really good pick at a very good price. So I think when you build a wild card, if you want Salah, which is obviously the big debate for wildcarders, do you go with him or do you go with a more balanced squad? I'm still leaning towards the more balanced squad approach. So Watkins probably would stay if I wildcard this week. But if you want to get a Salah or you want to pump more cash into premium assets, I think Diaby is absolutely fine as your only Aston Villa attacker. I would be very tempted to actually get both players because the fixtures are really good for the next four or five. 
and both of them are performing at the moment. But of course, Diaby did go off with a knock, so keep an eye on that before you make any decisions. But yeah, team specific, if you want Salah, you probably, you might not be able to afford Watkins. You know, might be Watkins versus Trippier, for example. And in that case, Diaby is absolutely fine if you can't get Watkins. And I can understand here why Brooklyn wants to keep Alvarez because he's had a very good start to the season, playing for the best team in the league. Yes, the fixtures are getting a little bit trickier for Manchester City, but that doesn't bother me with players like Haaland and Alvarez. So I would keep Alvarez if you're if you're wildcarding, uh, and I think Diaby's absolutely fine. But yeah, maybe look into having both Diaby and Watkins when you look at the fixture ticker. Question from S. Thomas. Alvarez or Watkins on a wildcard? Long-term thinking rather than short-term? Tricky one. Again, I think... The wild card that I've put together, which I'm going to talk about soon, probably has both players. I can't even remember what 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 squad I put together, but I'm, I think it is Alvarez and Watkins with Haaland, so my current strike force. And obviously I'm biased because they've just done well in the most recent game week, so there is a lot of recency bias here. Haaland aside, he did blank, but Watkins smashed it. Alvarez is very consistent. I like Alvarez because there's so many routes to points. He's scoring direct free kicks. He's taking lots of corners. He's creating lots of chances, as we mentioned earlier. He's just a really good pick at a really good price playing for a really good team. So it's for me, it's Watkins and Alvarez. If I really had to choose one on a wild card, I'm probably going to say Alvarez with Diaby in midfield as your Aston Villa attacker. Question from Semester Stallone. Haaland out with the upcoming fixtures for City and the good fixtures for Tottenham, Liverpool and Aston Villa. Is it crazy to sell the Norwegian? Semester Stallone says, I'd rather fit in Salah, Trent, Son, Trippier and other attackers and I wouldn't captain Haaland anytime soon. I've seen quite a lot of chatter about people going without Haaland maybe in the near future when City's fixtures do get tricky. Hasn't crossed my mind whatsoever. For me, Haaland is... A non-negotiable. I just think he's too good. Fixtures don't bother me. He can score braces and hat-tricks against anyone. He's a reliable captain every single game week. Yes, he just blanked, but that doesn't happen very often. The fixtures for City, and this is why you'll understand why people are thinking about going without him, and of course it's probably to fit in Salah if they don't already own him, or players like Trippier and Watkins. You know, sacrifices have to be made. We can't have every player. Manchester City fixtures, Arsenal, Brighton, Manchester United, Bournemouth, Chelsea, Liverpool, Tottenham and Villa. To me, they don't get tricky for another four or five games, really. Obviously, Arsenal next is tricky. But then it's Brighton, who just conceded six to Villa. It's Manchester United then, who are a mess at the moment. City could score three or four easily in that game. They've scored more than that in the recent past. Bournemouth, great fixture, which is four game weeks away from now. Then maybe it gets trickier. Chelsea, Liverpool, Tottenham and Villa. I would rate that run, especially Liverpool, Tottenham and Villa, that spell three games as a little bit more difficult than the current fixture. So I can I can see why people are thinking about it. It's more about maybe players they don't currently own and they see Haaland as a cash cow. My advice would be to find your cash elsewhere. I just think Haaland's too good. Best team in the league can score a hat-trick at any given time against anyone. So I would keep him and try and find your cash elsewhere. I'm still quite comfortable without Salah. I know it's going to get harder because the fixtures are going to get better for Liverpool very soon, as soon as maybe this week or game week nine. So it's going to get trickier, but I'm I'm very much considering just not getting him because, number one, it's it's very difficult to get him. And I'm very happy with my squad of you know cash spread around. Alvarez, Watkins, Trippier... Kilman's son probably coming in this week. I've got Madison. 
it's a nice it's a nice team structure. You know, Saka probably stays in that team structure as well. So I'm very much of the approach. I like the overall, you know, strong, strong, not even a strong fifteen, a strong eleven or twelve. I, you know, I put a wildcard squad together with Salah, and there's still so many sacrifices you have to make, especially for someone like me who hasn't wildcarded yet and who's been bleeding value on players like Gabriel and others, Nakamba. I think a cheap striker fell in price for me as well. It's been it's been a disaster team value wise, but I don't worry about it too much. Um, but it probably will play into my Salah decision. And at the moment, I don't think I'm going to be buying him soon unless I wildcard nine or ten. But I'm still trying to keep an open mind on a later wildcard, you know, towards towards game week 17, 18, 19. Just related to what I was saying, a question came in from Mark. He said, is it crazy to go no Salah on a wildcard? Mark just built his first draft and going without him gets an extremely strong 15 without any compromises in any position. It's much more doable now. There's so many mid-price midfielders keeping pace with Salah. Mark's gone for a front eight of Son, Madison, Diaby, Bowen, Neto. Watkins, Alvarez and Haaland straight away that sounds great to me that 8 sounds great and you don't even need 8 you could go with 7 and have a have a, have a dud you know sub on your bench but if you're not having Salah you can treat yourself to a very good first sub every week if you go for a strong front 8 mentioned earlier the fixtures for Liverpool they're, they're tasty it's Brighton next Everton Nottingham Forest Luton Brentford those 5 are very very nice and I'm saying now, just when Salah's blanked in Game Week 7, that I feel comfortable not owning them. But that can change very, very quickly. You know, as soon as as soon as we get closer to the Game Week 8 deadline and I see Salah versus Brighton, I'm going to be thinking I would like to own them. But I'm just going to remind myself I've got a good team, I've got a good squad, and no player is essential. Let's see how, let's see how strong I can stay over the next few weeks on no Salah. Question from John... So back to Mark's question, I don't think it's crazy to go without Salah. There's two different, in my eyes, there's two different kinds of wildcards this week or next week. You, you have a Salah wildcard or you have a no Salah wildcard and it's up to you how you want to play it. Question from John, with the majority of the FPL community rushing to get Salah into their teams in the next few weeks, is a front three of Watkins, Haaland and Alvarez with a son in midfield a viable and potentially better alternative? Yep, my answer here is yes, I like it. That'll be my current setup once I buy Human Son this week. And when you read that out, Watkins, Haaland, Alvarez and Son, it just sounds great. And it's very difficult to have that if you have Salah as well. Throw in Trippier, Saka, you know, a decent goalkeeper rather than having to drop all the way down to players like Turner and Ariola. Although I do think Ariola is, is a good FPL pick. Again, it just, you know, reading through these questions and answering them, it, it re-emphasises to me the way I'm enjoying playing the game is having the more balanced squad with the cash spread around. Question from David Tran. We seem to be joining all these bandwagons just after they've recorded monster hauls from Sterling to Son, Salah, Trippier, Alvarez and now Watkins. With team value becoming a factor, how tough do you find it consistently stopping yourself making points hits and restructuring your team? I find it extremely difficult every week. I've been fighting off transfers every week. I've been fighting off minus fours. I've been fighting off the wild card the last couple of weeks as well. But thankfully, the patience has rewarded me in the most recent game week, and hopefully that continues. But it is tricky this season. It's 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 funny how quickly FPL changes. All of us FPL content creators, most of us at least, were saying, you know, a few weeks ago, team value doesn't matter this season. There's so many cheap options, and then bang, all of a sudden, cash is a huge issue. We all want Salah. We all want Haaland. We all want Trippier. Trent's coming back into things now. 
you know, it's the sacrifices have to be made. And when you reflect on the FPL player prices, we always moan about them, but very often they're they're bang on and they make things tricky for us. So I think they've done a good job this season. So again, you you look at you look through the midfielder options and there's just so many good options out there. So the question was. How tough do you find it consistently stopping yourself from taking hits? It is tricky. The hardest thing to be in FPL is patient. But I do, I go back to my golden rules, my strategy for the season. And some of the bullet points are bank of transfer as often as possible. We can't have every player. And the other one is aim for a total of minus 20 over the course of the season. And I haven't taken a hit yet. So we'll try and keep that going for as long as possible. Because it's worked for me in the past. And I just try and play that patient approach and see how far it can get me. Final question is from Callum Payton. Could you throw together a rough wildcard draft for those using it this week? Absolutely, Callum. You weren't the only person who asked this. So again, I very quickly put a wildcard squad together. A reminder that my team value is terrible. It's only 100.7. There's a lot of people out there that will have less, maybe around 100. Some people probably even have a team value of less than 100 this season. It's just kind of the way the season has gone so far. If you're in a position where you've got you know 101 or 102, you're doing you're doing quite well, and you can obviously treat yourself to one or two more expensive picks. But there's always a solution, and whatever money you have, you spend it as best you can. So with 100.7, what I was able to put together was I built a salad draft initially, but I didn't like it because it was too many shortcuts. So I went back to a more balanced squad. So Ariola and David Raya in goal. The salad draft had Ariola and Turner. Didn't love that because I feel like Turner could lose his place soon and don't want to solely rely on Ariola. So Raya and Ariola is an option here. Trippier would stay. Cash would come in. Pedro Porro. You can treat yourself to a Porro or an Udogi if you don't have Salah. Dan Byrne would probably be the 4.5 defender choice and then a 3.9 million option on the bench. Midfield, Son and Madison, I think, are easy wildcard picks this week with the fixtures. And then... This is a 3-4-3 formation with Haaland, Alvarez and Watkins. I think then it's take your pick with the other two midfield positions and you could certainly jump around the midfielders, you know, players like Bowen and Diaby. I've selected Diaby here, fitness dependent. I've thrown Bowen in, but I know Bowen's next two fixtures are not fantastic, but he could just be a set-and-forget option. Obviously, Saka, if he's fit, would be in this as well. This one had 1.9 million in the bank. So, like I said, Saka would maybe come in for Bowen if he's fit. Or you could go for a strong front eight, like Mark mentioned earlier, strength on the bench, for example. The big one here is there's no Salah. Um, And when there's no Salah, that makes me think about other Liverpool options for the good fixtures. Darwin could come into the picture here. Luis Diaz is an option. Trent's an option at the back. There's other ways to play it. So as you can tell from this episode, I'm very much in the no Salah camp for now. So I'm going to... Going to reassess that on a daily basis for the next week or two and see where we land. But again, lots of different ways to play FPL and it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out on the Salah versus no Salah wildcard drafts in game week 8, game week 9 and game week 10. Moving on to captaincy for game week 8. Erling Haaland is away to Arsenal, so on paper it is tricky. Son and Madison are away to Luton, that looks very tasty. Salah is away to Brighton, that also looks good, given what just happened to Brighton against Aston Villa. And Watkins, the man of the moment, is away to Wolves for those who want something different. For me, I think I'm going to stick to my 
auto-captain Haaland approach, which I decided on at the start of the season. Fixtures, I said it earlier, they don't bother me too much with Haaland and Manchester City. I think I'm going to back him against Arsenal again, even though he just blanked. I am going to buy Hyungman Son this week. I've got Madison, so there's obviously a lot of temptation to captain one of those guys, Son in particular, out of position against a very poor Luton side. So I will give captaincy more thought later in the week when we have more information. But at the moment, it is on Haaland, as it has been all season. Let's see if I'm tempted to move that as the weekend gets closer. If I had Salah, obviously a lot of temptation would be there for the Brighton fixture because... Brighton just simply don't do clean sheets. Watkins, good pick, but I don't think I'd go as far as giving him the armband over the others mentioned. My gimmick 8 bust, bust team before I make any transfers, it currently looks like Johnston, Trippier, Gabriel Estupinen, Saka, Madison, Bruno and Rashford, Haaland, Alvarez and Watkins. So defensively it's not ideal because Gabriel plays Manchester City and Estupinen plays Liverpool and I don't really have any options on the bench because Gusto suspended and I don't want to play Bayer from Burnley. So that's why it's attractive for me to sell Rashford for Son and lose a Stupinen for a cheap defender who's got good fixtures short term that might bring me up to a game week 9 or a game week 10 wildcard. Or maybe I might just keep them long term and improve the defence over the next couple of weeks. So game week 8 transfer thoughts. My notes here say, quite simply, get Son for Luton and for the long term, sell Rashford. What about Saka if he's injured? So obviously I'll need to reassess things if Saka gets ruled out for a few weeks because then I would probably just do Saka to Son and reluctantly keep that guy Rashford and whisper quietly I might have double Manchester United midfield again eight game weeks into the season. But we might fix that with two free transfers in midfield instead and just roll out Gabriel and Estupinen and hope for the best defensively. Estupinen will go, if he does go, for someone like Dan Byrne, Tarkowski, other options, Gehi, Pau Torres, Colwell, maybe even Van de Ven at Tottenham if I was going to commit to a game week nine wildcard. And one week, a one-week punt for a Tottenham defender who I can afford against Luton is attractive, but much more likely to go for a Dan Byrne or possibly a Tarkowski. If Bruno Fernandes goes along with Rashford, it would be Son and one of probably Bowen, Foden, Diaby or Mbumo. And I need to keep in mind whether I want a wildcard in game week nine or not. At the moment, probably lean towards not wildcard in game week nine. But that will really depend on what happens in game week 8. That is it for the Portuguese episode of the 59th Minute Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen, folks. I hope you have a good week. Enjoy the European games. Best of luck if you're wildcarding this week. And I will talk to you all after the international break. Like I said, we'll go back to Monday and Friday episodes afterwards. If you're not interested in the Patreon stuff, you can buy me a coffee instead at buymeacoffee.com forward slash FPL General. Best of luck when game week, for Game Week 8 when it rolls around. Talk to you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.